the middle of a sermon series, and the sermon series has three parts to it. We started it last week, and many of you, if you parked out there, you walked across the series. The series is our mission statement. I'm Kevin, by the way, and we're glad that you're here. Last week, we discussed the first part of the mission statement, love God. Then the second part is today, life together, and the third part is light your world. So what do you mean by love God? We're asking anyone who is either closely or remotely associated with our church to do three things. The first one was last week, love God, celebrate in worship. We're asking you to actually show up and celebrate on a Sunday morning with us as a gathered body of Christ, the ecclesia in worship. And we carved out some time in that service to do some different forms of worship. Worship is not just music, it's not just prayers, it is not just scripture reading, it is all of that, is it a lifestyle? And I'm not trying to repeat the whole message, but that's what we did last week. So that was the first part, love God, celebrate and worship. Today is the second part, life together. And I'm going to get into this just a little bit, and then we're going to close this life together piece with some baptisms today. What a better chance to celebrate life together than with the gathered body of Christ in baptism. That's going to happen today. It's a seven-word mission statement. So I tried to drive home this central thought. My thought would be when we introduced this one year ago, and from time to time we're going to revisit this, that when we gather, we could do all three. Now stay with me, because I lost some of you already. So when our youth group gets together, is it possible that that youth group could fulfill all three things? Could they love God, celebrate and worship? Could they do life together, whether it's fellowship, eating, doing something? And could they light your world, which is next week? Serve in our volunteer culture inside and outside the building. Could our children's ministry, when they get together, could they love God, celebrate and worship? Could they do life together? Could they possibly, when our board gets together, could our board get together and could they celebrate and celebrate and worship? Could they do life together? Could they? So I was hoping, I know it's idealistic, it's probably unrealistic, that every single time a group gathered, whether it was your life group, could they possibly do all three of these at the same time? It is possible, I think, to do a lot of them. So we looked at what does love God mean. Today is life together. Before I move to today's, I do just want to give you this quote that Liz sent me this week, or last week actually, and I didn't get to it, and I love this. This is by former President Teddy Roosevelt. You may worship God anywhere at any time, but the chances are that you will not do so unless you have first learned to worship Him somewhere in a particular place at a particular time. So it doesn't have to be at Grace Point, but we're welcoming those of you who would. Life together. It starts in Genesis chapter 2. Here it is. Then the Lord God took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. You ready? Then the Lord God said, it is not good. He's already listed in one and two all the things that are good, all the things that he's created. This is good. This is good. This is good. And then he gets to us. He gets to Adam. And he says that it is not good that Adam be alone. So I will make for him a helper, a suitable helper for him. 
Adam is created in the image of God. And Adam looks at all of these other things and he doesn't see a helpmate. He looks at an animal. He looks at trees. He looks at all these things. And then God says, I'm going to put this guy to sleep. And I'm going to raise from him something that looks a lot like him, that's even better than him. And all the females said, come on, y'all. Work with me now. It's a celebration. You're allowed to participate today. Do you know that the New Testament, the New Testament alone, and I skipped right from Genesis to the New Testament, has 59, 59 one another's. So from the very beginning in creation, God doesn't just say, well, this is just for marriage. This is relationship. You were not meant to be alone, to do life alone. God the Father, by the way, is in relationship. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have this overarching theme throughout all of the New Testament. And now we're going to get really spiritual and biblical while I show you this picture. In the mid-19 to late 1980s came along this movie, this cult classic movie, which is still on TV all the time. If you're not familiar with this, you're super spiritual and holy, and you have no idea what I'm talking about, and or you're lying. This is The Breakfast Club. So this very popular movie depicted exactly what happens with us. And, and there's a lot of high school movies, but this was seemingly one of the most popular ones, and it's still really popular. Why are you showing us this, Kevin? Listen to what happens in this movie. Well, I, let me just give you some of the characters. From left to right, as you see the smoke, that's John Bender. He's the pothead. There's Claire. She's the rich, snobby, popular girl. There's Andrew. He's the sports jock, popular guy. There's Allison. She's the strangely weird, quiet, sort of almost goth kid. And then there's Brian. He's the nerdy, really smart kid that all of them will work for one day. And this collection of people is brought on a Saturday morning and they're put in a room because they're all in detention. And what they find out, while this is not a great movie, there are some good truths in this movie. What they find out is that just like every high school and just like us, we all have these groups that we are in. Whether we put ourselves in them or not. And they find out that in the end they have way more in common than what they have that is apart. Listen to me, friends. From Genesis, from the very beginning, we are hardwired for groups. That is who we are. We didn't pick that. We are hardwired for worship, and there's a reason we started with worship last week. Because the devil wants us to worship him. We are hardwired for groups because we have a God who's in community with himself. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I couldn't think of anybody better to come and talk about the purpose of life groups and this whole idea of life together than our Christian ed director, Jen McCammon. So for just a few minutes, she's going to share passionately about why is this so important to her and to our church. Good morning. So Pastor Kevin just laid for you the biblical foundation to relationships and to to life together. I'm going to come to you this morning with a slightly different perspective. My background is in education. I went to college um, and got my teaching degree and spent 10 years of my life teaching fourth grade and three years teaching pre-K. 
And I have always found education and how people learn and helping people learn fascinating and rewarding. Um, and this was from the very beginning. I was one of those people who actually liked school growing up, and I was the only person in college that you would find in the library on a Friday night studying. And when Pastor Chris Shelter hears that confession, I'll never live it down. But anyways, I really enjoy education and learning. And so about seven or eight years ago, when the opportunity arose for me to combine that um, love of education with my faith by stepping into the Christian education director role, I did so without hesitation. To me, it was like bringing together two parts of my life that I felt a very strong calling to. Part of my role as Christian Education Director is to help facilitate discipleship opportunities for all of you. Um, and that includes life groups or smaller groups within our larger church family. Life groups are designed to help people experience two things, spiritual growth and authentic relationships. And those two components are essential to discipleship as well. And I just want to take a few moments this morning to talk a little bit more about those two important things. First of all, let's look at the spiritual growth side of life groups. That's the educational side, if you will, of a life group. Over and over again, in my educational experiences, whether it was when I was going through college or when I was actually teaching, I observed over and over again that people of all ages learn best when they can interact with whatever it is that they're learning, when they can discuss ideas, when they can ask questions, when they can take the facts that they're learning and apply it to real life situations. Practically speaking, that cannot happen in a room like this. There's only so much active learning that we can do on a Sunday morning with 300 people in a 30 minute time frame. So the majority of the teaching that happens on a Sunday morning is through the method that I'm using at this very moment, and that's lecturing. Lecturing is not all bad. It's just not always the most effective way for people to learn. Ongoing spiritual growth is not going to happen in an environment when you just walk in the door, you come in, you sit down, you listen, and you leave, and possibly don't even talk to another person when you do that. And believe it or not, that can actually happen on a Sunday morning. In fact, maybe that's what you do. Maybe you just walk in these doors, you sit down, you listen, you leave, and for you, that checks off the box for your spiritual commitment for the week. But I sure hope that you feel like something is missing, because it is. This is where smaller groups, like life groups, come into play. It's in these smaller groups that you can dig into the Bible with other people, and you can take biblical principles and biblical stories and talk about and see how they are lived out in everyday life. You can share your personal experiences with other people. Other people can challenge you, and you can challenge them. And it's through experiences like these that true, lasting learning and spiritual growth will occur. Life groups also open up opportunities for authentic relationships to occur, and these are so key to our spiritual growth. Listen to what author and pastor John Orkberg has said about this. He says, God uses people to form people. That is why what happens between you and another person is never merely human-to-human -human interaction. 
The spirit longs to be powerfully at work in every encounter. It's through true, lasting relationships that the door for spiritual growth is opened up. And in a life group, these kind of relationships happen in a variety of ways. It happens through the prayers that you share together. It happens through accountability. It happens through Bible study. It happens through laughing together, crying together, just walking alongside one another through life. Now, I can tell you from personal experience that friendships and relationships, relationships like that don't just happen. Like anything in life, you need to put something into it if you're going to get something out of it. So 20 years ago, when my husband and I got married, we, I started coming to this church. I left the church that I had been attending and started coming here. Um, my husband, Jeremy, grew up in this church. He knew everyone, and everyone knew him. I knew no one. And for several years, I struggled with feeling like an outsider. Now, don't get me wrong. Everyone here was kind and polite and friendly to me but I had no real friends. Nobody really knew the true me. And so I can remember one Sunday morning dreading going to church and once again feeling left out. And I was um, expressing my frustrations to God when clear as day, I heard him say to me, so Jen, what are you doing about this? You see, I was expecting community to just magically happen, when instead, I needed to take some initiative. And so as hard and uncomfortable and as awkward as it was for me, I started intentionally putting myself in places where this could happen. I started a small group for women. That was not easy for me, but that was the one step I could take to start to get to know people and to make friends. All those years ago when I took those steps, I would have never dreamed of where those steps would lead me to today. First of all, being in front of all of you as part of the Grace Point staff would have never even crossed my mind, trust me. But secondly, that I would be able to stand here before you this morning and tell you that today, my dearest, closest friends are the people that I walk alongside through life together, and they're here at Grace Point. And just as a side note, all those years ago, when I started sharing with others some of the feelings that I had been having, being left, feeling left out and disconnected, I was surprised at the number of other people who said to me, hey, you know what? I'm kind of feeling the same way too. And these were people I would have never imagined felt like they were on the fringes. So that leads me to believe that today there's probably some of you out there that are feeling the same way. And so I say to you from personal experience, do something about it. Take a step. Take some initiative. This is exactly why our larger church family is broken up into smaller groups. Get into a group. We have used this following quote, I believe, before here, but it is worth repeating. Theologian Francis Schaeffer said, our relationships, our relationships as Christians with each other is the criterion the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. Christian community is the final apologetic. We need each other to live lives worthy of Jesus and of his calling 
in our lives. And the effect of us being there for one another as a church family and walking alongside one another through all of life's events, the effect of that is that people who don't know Jesus will see the power of his love in and through us. And that is exactly why life together is part of our mission statement here at Grace Point. God's design is not just connection. Oftentimes I will meet people in the area, in the Lancaster County area, and the subject about where do they attend comes up. And I will meet people who will say, oh, we attend Grace Point. And it's interesting because I don't know really what that means. For some, you understand that attend is one thing, belong is different. And God's call is not just for a connection with some Jesus sprinkled in. It's for communion. Community. That's different. Real relationship happens on that level. This idea of, as Brene Browning would say, intimacy is to know and be known. And many of us in particular in church, we love to know all that we can about God without ever letting anybody know anything about us. So I mask a relationship by all of this incredible knowledge I have about him. And no one gets to know me. It's safer. It's cleaner. It's just easier. It's not messy. But that's not what he's called us to. Not at all. Why are you talking about this on Baptism Sunday? Because just in a few minutes, there's going to be five people who are going to walk up here. And you might not remember anything that Jen and I just shared. But you're probably 99% sure going to remember some things that people are going to stand here and reveal about themselves. And their decision to go public in front of you about something that's happened internally, private, inside of them. Why, who, and when? Why should you be baptized? Jesus was baptized. In our church tradition, we believe in two sacraments. And we believe in them not because we're right and everyone else is wrong. It's just that we believe in them because Jesus participated in communion and Jesus participated in baptism. All authority, Jesus said, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That's Matthew 28. That's one of his last words to us. So who should get baptized? Everyone who believes. Some of you sitting here today, you believe in Jesus. You may know some things about Jesus. But for whatever reason, you've not just taken that step to say, I'm going to do this. You know, a lot of us in here, we probably know a lot of things about Elon Musk. You might know where, what he drinks and what is, you know, you might know that he's a billionaire and he just lost some money. You might know he's in charge of Tesla. You might know all of this stuff about him. But you really don't know him. 
And certainly, I don't think, he knows any of you. This is a different level here of knowing about, of knowing and being known. We should get baptized because Jesus did and he commanded it. When should this happen? I love in Acts chapter 2 verse 41, it says that 3,000 were saved and immediately they were baptized. You don't need to wait. Well, we're not sure if they're Nazarene or are they Catholic or are they Baptist. Or, that doesn't matter. They didn't do a church record history check. They got saved. They got baptized. It didn't matter. You have to be a member? No. You have to go through a class? No. There is no class. I mean, we'll talk to you about it. We want to make sure you love Jesus, but that's it. There's your requirement. Do I love him and do I believe and faith, put my faith and trust in him from this point forward? Guess what? Let's get baptized. So it's an immediate thing. How about the Ethiopian with Philip on the same day? I thought it'd be appropriate today, before we do baptisms, that you ought to just see, there's a really popular movie that just came out a couple months ago, and this is a scene from Pastor Greg Laurie. When he was really, really wrestling, as a person that was addicted to drugs, his mom had been in seven different marriages, and he met this girl, and all the while he's meeting some other people, they think they are random, you know, just he meets this person, and then he meets this person, and... And all the while, God is just beginning to work and move on Pastor Greg Laurie's life at this young age. And he's in the middle of this mess in his personal life, but God's talking to him. And there's this mess going on, but God's talking to him. And finally, he sees it. That all that he's been looking for and all that he's been trying is not working. And that Jesus might actually be the answer for him. It was from the movie Jesus Revolution, and I'm going to show you this scene where lots and lots of people gather. This is like true story, made the front of Time magazine. And this man, this great, great preacher comes, the beauty from ashes that is built up. This is his baptism scene. And I want you to see multiple things that happen here. And they dramatize it a little bit, but his girlfriend goes out who becomes his wife. He goes out and gets baptized. And then there's a celebration on the shoreline. And that's what you're here to do today. In just a few minutes, we're going to have five people come up here and we're going to read their testimonies. And we're going to celebrate with them. Watch this. I'm just saying, why is it going to freeze? Right, it's just water. Why are you freaking out? I'm not freaking out. I'm not freaking out. Okay, I'm freaking out a little bit. You're going to be fine. Greg, right? Yeah. 
I've been praying for this moment since I first met you. Have you decided? Um, I, I don't know. You want to decide right now? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And pray with me. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. You are the savior of the world. You are the savior of the world. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to come into my life. I repent for my sins. I repent for all my sins. And I accept you as my Lord and Savior, my God and friend. And I accept you as my Lord and Savior, my God and my friend. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Greg, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Death to life. Oh, man. This isn't a watch party today. You came to celebrate. Some of you came to celebrate with family and friends. The rest of us, we may not even know these people on this platform, but you're going to hear some of their story, and you should celebrate with them. We should celebrate together. Luke 15, 7 says that all of heaven rejoices. When a sinner comes home, certainly Grace Point should rejoice when people decide to publicly declare something that Jesus has done in their hearts. Is this emotional? Yeah, it's emotional. Is it just emotion? It is not. Is the, does the act and the water save them? It does not. <laughs> it's this idea that Jesus, I got nothing left and I'm surrendering everything I got to you. It's a reckless love that saves us. Stand with us.